Good afternoon, folks, and welcome to this week's episode of the Legal Beagle Podcast. This week, we are joined by Matt Morstad, the Senior Vice President of Customer Operations at Axon. You might not know what or who Axon is, but you've heard of Taser International. That is the former name of Axon, and Matt has been involved in leading the development of multiple products for Axon, including their body cameras. And that's why I invited Matt onto this podcast to talk about body cameras and the use of body cameras and how those have evolved and will continue to evolve as new technologies emerge. Welcome, Matt. Jonathan, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Excited. I forgot to... Oh, I have this in the background. I can't see it. So this, oh. this, is, this is a trophy. Uh, if you can see, this is the trophy. Matt is also... Uh, a terrific golfer. In fact, he is a co-champion in the 2021 Couples Invitational at Forest Highlands uh, in the Oak Flight. We won that together uh, this this past summer. It was uh, it was quite the event. We hung on, uh, I think, by a couple strokes to win that event. That was a lot of fun. It was. So, Matt, let's jump right into it. Tell me about Axon. Tell me about how you came to work at Axon. How did you end up joining Axon? Yeah, that's actually a pretty interesting story. Um, so I I was I worked at Honeywell for about seven years, and I and in fact today is my seven year anniversary at, at Axon. So I've been there for a while as well. Um, but I was uh, you know I got a LinkedIn ping from somebody at uh, at at Taser at the time said, hey, would you be interested in this uh, product management role um, with us to help kind of spur our body camera program. And I thought, well, this is kind of interesting because the weekend prior to that, I was uh, hanging out with some friends and um, uh, met somebody there who, uh, his name is Luke Larson. He happens to be our president at this time and uh, at Axon. And um, and so it was his intern that reached out to me. So I got his number. I called Luke and I said, said what's going on? Why is your intern reaching out to me? We, you know, like, I didn't know, you know, you, you were interested in having me come to the company. And so it was really uh, just a uh, like a like a you know unique circumstance that they they found my profile and and so that connected the dots. Ultimately, I went. Uh, he was like, "Dude, you got to get up here, uh, come and have a coffee with me." And Luke's a great salesman as well as a great president at the Axon. But he uh, he really uh, um, shared a lot with me about the company. Went up to the building, uh, toured the building, talked about their mission. Um, and I was, I was really sold on what they were doing. Uh, they were at the time, you know, uh, very successful in the taser business and they were really just getting into the digital evidence and body camera business. And it looked like it was, you know, uh, had a lot of potential. And so I was excited to come and, uh, be part of that. And, um, and, uh, and then, you know, ultimately, uh, I've had a great ride ever since joining at that time. And, uh, um, but that's how it started for me. Back in... 2014, when you joined the company, were had they launched any of their body cameras yet, or were they just in development? Yeah, they had their first body camera out in the market, and uh, it it was, uh, yeah, it had it had a pretty reasonable success. They had their Body One and their Flex One cameras out in the market at that time, and um, uh, but you know, since then, like we've we've scaled and grown. Um, I think uh, you know. 
50 times over on, on no, quite a bit more than that. But I think we had like 10,000 cameras in the market at that time. And now we have several hundred thousand globally deployed active users on our body cameras. You were involved in some of the different iterations of the, the body camera. You have an engineering background. Is that, is that correct? That's right. Me- yeah. Mechanical engineering undergrad. So what did you, how did you get involved in the actual, uh, I should say design or production of these, these newer versions of the body camera that have since come out? Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I was pretty, uh, I was quite involved with our Axon Body 2, which was our, really our second generation. Well, it's kind of our third generation. That's a different story, but, but it's our, our second generation uh, camera that was really, um, I'd say our body camera that really put us on the map and helped us uh, really win the broader global market. Um, given its features, its um, its purpose built um, uh, you know outcomes, and uh, just simplicity of its design and, and how it operated. So, um, so th- that was when I came in. We we you know we were kind of sunsetting our generation one programs and building up our generation two programs. So uh, part of the experience that um, you know, I feel like I was able to bring to the team working for Honeywell Aerospace, right? I, you know, I learned a lot about how to build products for scale, quality, reuse, um, so that we could, you know, build hundreds of thousands versus tens of thousands of something. And so we really doubled down on, um, you know, design quality and, um, uh, go to market strategies that gave us a high confidence. We would build a, an incredibly reliable, uh, product that worked and functioned as expected in the, in, in the field um, with high, you know, high, high level reliability over time and could accommodate um, a broad user group. And so when you think about global users for body cameras, uh, even shoot in a, in a single state, uh, there's a lot of different ways that they want to use it. And so building in the configurability so that you can get mass usage um, through configurability versus, you, you know, trying to find, you know, unique solutions for all of them. Um, so I think like generally I, I, I brought some of those principles from my Honeywell and, and engineering experience and programmatic experience to the team that, that helped us in that regard. So when, when you guys are improving on or bettering the production of, of these body cameras, it's my understanding that your your primary customer is government agencies, municipalities, uh, police forces that are that are using these cameras. Do you guys go out and is there some sort of collaboration or effort to understand how these are functional in the marketplace instead of just the R and D that you guys are doing internally, the work that you're doing to produce the best product possible? Is there some sort of synergy that exists between what you guys do in at the the point of of concept and then to you know actual production and the actual end user that's going to be operating this in the field. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We spent uh, countless hours out with end users, officers, um, command staff at law enforcement agencies. Uh, we were definitely focused on law enforcement as we built out the products, but there are certainly different applications that we've also spent time with, whether it be you know, private security or corrections, fire, EMS. Um, shoot, we even have, you know, one of our large customers is, uh, is in mining and, 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 uh, and, uh, warehouse management. Right. So, um, but yes, when I, uh, when, I, uh, like 
and, and our teams still do this today in product management, uh, a major part of their role is spending time with customers, uh, building user stories, getting a really deep understanding of how customers use the product. So for me personally, like I, I would go out to law enforcement agencies in different regions that had different, um, you know, setups, policies, practices, and to get a wide range of like how they used it. And I would do ride alongs with the officers. I would watch, just watch how they operated through the day. Um, uh, we would have them use our body cameras and we would just watch, observe and see all the interactions. So you see some of the stuff that one might not, uh, you know, you know, um, like maybe notice or say in terms of how they use it. But there's all there's little there's a ton of little things in 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 terms of how they wear it that that you got to think about. Like I remember seeing an officer like constantly taking his seatbelt and like putting it around. I'm like, gosh, we got to figure out a way that we can help them with mounting options to, to avoid this like seatbelt calamity. So, um, uh, so there's that, and then also just like how they turn it on and and um, off and 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 interact with the camera and how they upload it and put it into their docking station so that it securely uploads. Um, so through that whole process, we observe a lot of ways that we can error-proof the devices, improve workflows and efficiencies for uh, how they use it. So let's talk about the activation component because I was, if I understand it correctly, some of the, the cameras have to be activated by the user. Is that correct? That's right. But there's now newer technology that you guys have or are testing in the market. And you may be way ahead of where the articles are that I read about this, but mm -hmm. there's actual technology where some of these cameras will trigger automatically. Uh, the example I was reading, uh, uh, and I think a police agency in South Carolina in Richmond is, is testing this for you guys, where they're actually uh, using uh, this technology where if they holster their or unholster their weapon, it automatically yep. triggers the camera. That's a different that's a different product than just the one that is activated, like on the chest, the officer would have to actually start and stop. Is that correct? Well, it's, uh, yeah, let me, uh, I can describe that when we have a, we have an auto activation, uh, technology or platform here at Axon called Axon signal. And, uh, we've had that in play for several years now. Uh, we started developing uh, development on it when I was in the product management group, uh, in 20. 14, 2015, we uh, had we had our vehicle integration uh, activation module, and then we moved to um, a, cu a couple others. So uh, let me let me describe a little bit of how it how it works. But you know, our our body cameras. Well, in fact, I have one here. So this is our body three camera, and our body cameras typically mount you know center mass or or somewhere ar ar around here on the chest. Um, but they double press it, and what the signal activation does is it it uh, it broadcasts a Bluetooth beacon that that basically the camera recognizes and authenticates and then turns on, and so it does that automatically based on different events. And so um, so what we have today in the market is uh, a device that integrates with your car, and that has up to twelve inputs. But we can uh, trigger. Um, this signal protocol based on you know door opening, speed, crash, turning on lights, turning on sirens. So all of these events um, could activate the camera, and then the officer doesn't have to think about it. So for example, if um, if uh, if a police department wants every officer to have their camera on when they step out of the car, 
we can make that happen automatically, right? And and then the officer doesn't have to think about it. And so you, the, the, it, it removes this, um, this challenge of, you know, especially under stress, running out of the car, like worrying about a camera, which is like the last thing we want an officer really worrying about or thinking about, especially in a stressful situation. So our vehicle integration is one. We also incorporated this technology into the handles of our, um, of our taser weapons. So because there's already electrical weapons there, as soon as you power on the device, um, should you enable that setting on your body cameras, um, anytime that you uh, power up your taser, your body camera will come on. And then subsequently, we also developed a firearm holster integration that you mentioned. Um, it's, a, it's, it's basically a small capacitive sensor that goes on one's holster and when you pull your firearm, it, it senses that um, basically magnetic movement and activates one's camera. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's a really a great technology because you can, you can um, enable policy-based activation of those most critical events that officers uh, encounter in their, uh, in their careers. Back to the, the Axon 3, the one that you have there, that's mm-hmm. where you double tap to activate it, correct? That's right. Does that... Does that record in HD or is that in standard definition? It records in HD. Um, we have different recording levels on it, so you you can get in you know 1080p, 4K, um, and and so we leave that as a configurable option for agencies. Usually, there's um, um, I'm more familiar with Body Two, but Body Three has a number of different settings in terms of video quality. Um, and we, you know, we defaulted, I think at 1080p, but customers can increase that or take it down to standard, uh, definition. The benefits or the trade-offs there that agencies might see is a little bit with battery life, um, as well as how much, uh, video recording they can, you know, keep on the device before they upload the video. Uh, but generally nowadays with, um, with advancements in, uh, um, uh, you know, storage technology, uh, that's, that's not really, um, you know, a hindrance anymore. So we can, you know, get, get a lot of storage on our devices. Does that capture audio as well, or just video? Audio and video. So there, there is though, a uh, you know, um, an interesting aspect to our body cameras. We have what we call a pre-event buffer. So the camera is always recording over this pre-event buffer. Uh, prior to you, you know, double clicking and starting the actual camera recording, when that happens, audio will start. But um, you know, our standard default setting. Now, one can add audio to the to the buffer or not in, in our in our Body Three version. But um, uh, what that uh, what that allows for, or the benefit of that, is sometimes you witness something happening, right, and then you hit your camera, and so being able to capture that previous thirty seconds or minute or two minutes, but we, we, we have a, a configurable buffer in there that the admin and an agency can set, uh, based on, you know, how far, uh, a pre-event buffer that they want, but, uh, that allows them to see what led up to the initiation of the recording and then, and then what follows that recording. Um, but yes, both audio and video. It sounds like a lot of these different features are customizable or can be customized to the preference of the the agency that's using them, whether they have their own internal policies, whether there's laws in that jurisdiction that require that, because Mm -hmm. I imagine there's situations and I've, I've watched a lot of body cam footage in the work that I do, because when we're investigating auto crashes, 
and officers respond, there's a lot of valuable information that's picked up when they're recording this, both the mm-hmm. video and the audio uh, portion of it. But it's, I notice from time to time that, it, and it really depends on the, the, I, you know, really, I guess it depends on what city you're in, what uh, particular agencies using the the cameras, because some, the audio will record the whole time. Others, they have mm-hmm. a, an option to mute the audio. Others, they can, they can uh, make the video so that's hard to like blur it. You can yep. hard to see it. And other times it's just completely recorded. And it, it, I imagine from a production standpoint on your guys' side, that makes it more appealing to a larger audience because you're not saying, look, this is how it works. Either use it the way we developed it or don't use it at all. You're saying, look, we can customize it, make it work within the confines and restrictions that you guys have as a, as a, you know, police force. Is that kind of the idea in, in development? Yeah, hundred percent. That was one of the challenges that we really like spent a lot of time trying to figure out was what are all of the configuration settings that we want to have on the cameras? Because there's just a vast array of, of different needs out in the market. And some of them are, you, you know, unique state or local laws or regulations or um, maybe union preferences. And so what we found is just the more um, configurability we can put into the hands of the, the agency and uh, they can administrate it themselves. And so you, like you mentioned, um, you know, mute, an officer can mute their camera. So if they want to have a, you know, a, a uh, a, a conversation about something that is not part of the incident or, or maybe they want to like, I don't know, get uh, uh, sensitive information or something like that. There is that capability, but then the agency admin can disable the, the capability to mute uh, if they don't want their officers to do that. So there's, there's a lot of customization that they can build into that. So uh, they, they can either you know restrict or or provide a lot of flexibility to officers in how they um, how they use the cameras. So you mentioned earlier you talked about you used a term digital evidence. I wrote this down because I like that. You talked about this world of digital evidence, and that triggers what are more commonly known in our world as chain of custody issues mm-hmm. uh, that you guys are seem to be very well aware of because there's a lot of literature out there about this, and that then had me go down this, this rabbit hole about storage. And it seems like storage is, I don't, I don't want to put, I don't want to put words in your mouth. And I certainly don't want to create a problem if there isn't one, but it seems like storage could end up being a problem because of the vast amount of content that is being captured. And if it's being done in high definition and there's audio, that is, those are those files we get. And I'm getting, I may get like 30 minute video for an auto crash. Mm-hmm. And it is huge. And so I can't imagine the amount of storage that you all have to provide to your customers to allow them to comply with this chain of custody requirement and really collect and keep this digital evidence in a format that can be used later on. I mm-hmm. obviously work on the civil side, but there's a big criminal component to this where it becomes really, really important that the chain of custody be maintained and that the digital evidence be preserved for a certain period of time. How have you guys thought forward or are maybe talking about this digital storage component of what you do and how to maintain all of this when storage and and capacity issues seem to be apparent. Yeah. Well, uh, that's definitely like part of, uh, you you know, part of, uh, you know, our challenges with navigating this over the years. Um, 
ultimately what we've done is we've partnered with massive cloud you know providers um, and we you know we've, we've partnered with Microsoft Azure uh, who's got you know, Sieges security compliance associated also with their cloud storage um, that meets the needs of law enforcement so <clears throat> um, using using the cloud able, enables us to scale basically. Uh, we do have some aspects of evidence and age where, um, you know, where, where we're exploring ways to do cold versus hot storage and, and how accessible it is in certain timeframes for more archive storage versus more recent storage. But, but ultimately, yeah, storage uh, can be massive. Like, uh, you know, Axon has more, uh, more data in the cloud than Netflix. Right? Holy so, cow. Wow. So when you think about the content, we, you know, the amount of content that is out there across all of our customers, it's, it's massive, you know, it's um, petabytes of data and it's increasing all the time. Um, and uh, there are different policies, state to state, you know, et cetera, around retention um, limits for different types of evidence. Um, but certainly those are things we take very seriously in our chain of custody, um, you know, security of uh, the, the, the content that we capture. All of that is uh, incredibly important because the last thing we, you know, want our customers dealing with is any, you know, questions about the validity of the information, et cetera. But, but, um, but uh, again, we, we have a lot of uh, customization in terms of how an agency wants to store their data. So they can take certain categories and put, you know, either like infinite storage limits or multi-year storage limits. They can define that depending on categories or uh, as a whole across all of their evidence. And and then um, as data does go through a, a, a purging exercise when it comes up due for deletion, uh, it, it, it has reminders associated with it. So the agency can, you know, um, sort of uh, have a secondary look and approval of any data that gets um, that gets uh, kind of deleted. I've never heard the term petabyte until just now. I looked it up. That is a million gigabytes. Does that is that a million gigabytes? Is it petabyte? Yeah. That yeah. is. I didn't even know there was such a thing as I've heard. Obviously, <laughs> of terabytes and gigabytes. I've never heard of a petabyte. That's yeah. how much short, Matt, you guys are operating in a different world when you're dealing with petabytes. Yeah, it's intense. And, well, when I was researching your company, I, I thought to myself, Axon's in the business of storage. Uh, they're not in just the business of product design and, and putting these really you know, high-end quality products in the marketplace. And I know that's really the, the focus, at least that's what it seems to be, uh, beyond just the tasers and the body cameras, there's other products you guys offer. Um, check out Axon at axon.com. There's actually, it's really kind of cool to go. I felt like a little kid, like shopping, even though I can't buy any of that stuff, uh, yeah. just looking at all the different stuff, the drones and things that are out there. But the storage component behind this has, has really, I, I think got to be an issue or, or a, a internal dialogue that must be ongoing with your company. And how do we deal with that? And how do we continue to evolve as a company as it just relates to the petabytes of information that you guys are mm -hmm. are warehousing for all of your yeah. customers worldwide because you're a global company, right? Yeah. the The good news is uh, that the you know these cl cloud storage providers and technology and uh, is 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 uh, is advancing as fast as the market is advancing, and and really like we don't see 
uh, I would say we don't see a limitation to storage being an, uh, an, an issue for us uh, in, in, you know, even in the distant future. We think that'll, you know, that'll really be a non-issue with uh, technology and, and cloud providers that uh, we've worked with. There's plenty of capacity um, and they're increasing capacity all the time. But but certainly like it can it can. Um, it can weigh on, like you said, sometimes data sharing. If you're going to download something, like these you know these things could be. It can put a lot of uh, stress on the uh, on, on the pipelines of um, uh, one's bandwidth and internet and so forth. And even you know even one of the challenges we deal with um, in terms of uploading content from our secure devices to our cloud solution is getting all of that through. The, the airways, right? Whether we're, whether we're uploading it over LTE or we're uploading it through internet bandwidth, you can imagine we, you know, we've got to work with agencies um, all the time on evaluating their infrastructure to make sure that they can get all this evidence up and down for, you know, upload and reviewing. Uh, I'd say that's that infrastructure and speed is probably more of a challenge than the storage itself. That makes sense. I, I would think that storage can be compressed it can be, um, I guess, broken up into little bits that then obviously can be uh, reconnected uh, for the end user to, to, to view, but getting it just up and down. And, and I know that's that's true for us as we get, we'll get uh, sometimes flash drives or, or CDs with some of this information on them just to take it off of the, the CD itself and then upload it into our cl- cloud-based platform can take us hours sometimes because of the, mm-hmm. the size of these files. And we're not talking about petabytes. We're talking about megabytes maybe mm-hmm. of data. Mm-hmm. And so I imagine that if, if people are using this, like let's say a, a police agency is using this and they have to, as a shift ends, take all of this, these body cameras and, and upload them. And then, you know, if they want to review them later, or they have to be uh, looked at in some way, they have to be downloaded. I imagine that back and forth has got to be, somewhat difficult to do in a quick way. You can do mm-hmm. it, it, but no one wants to wait hours to do things. They want things yeah. to happen quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that can be helpful there is actually playing it, playing the video from the cloud versus downloading it and 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 so forth. So the more the more ubiquitous our evidence.com platform come, becomes between um, law enforcement, prosecution, and defense, because uh, we have uh, we have licenses and versions uh, for um, you know for attorneys as well that they can use to um, basically get links from you know uh, I guess uh, um, agencies that have a, 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 an axon file. Just share the link with you. It'll it'll come into your evidence queue within. Um, your platform or your login, and then you can just play it natively right there in the player. You can make notes, mark it up, uh, add it, you know, to a case, add other information, metadata, or, or um, um, uh, files, uh, whatever format that you need, and um, and that that like I guess that is one way to um, sort of remedy the you know DVDs back and forth downloading files is. Uh, getting yeah getting kind of more people into our ecosystem. I love that idea because that saves a huge amount of time and effort that's wasted just in the uploading downloading process. So if you can just say look, you can have a shared link where you have access to this particular video, you you can 
use the video in the platform, in the cloud itself, and not ever have to take it out of the cloud. You can make your notes, like you said, mark it up, add things to it, whatever you need to do from a, a workability standpoint, but you don't have to actually download the, the file itself. Not only to save capacity for the end user and other parties that may be interested in that video, but it can be transferred a lot quicker. And so you exactly. speed up that process, but that's mm -hmm. a, that's a fantastic solution yeah. is evidence.com. Is, do you guys, is that your storage cert, like uh, platform evidence.com? It is. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's obviously it's much more than storage. It's, it's got uh, case management, uh, redaction tools, um, and a number of other features associated with it to manage all of the, the, the evidence. Um, and there's administrative tools in there too, to manage the evidence and the devices on their network. But uh, yes, that's the that's the platform, and so yeah, for anybody listening, um, if you want to check out uh, our, our um, you know evidence.com for prosecution and defense, um, it's it's worth checking out because uh, it's it's a great way to share and um, um, and you know collaborate on your evidence. I love that. So taking a left turn from the product design itself and the the actual usage of the product and talking more about public policy. You and I have visited offline about this. And I, one of the questions I asked you when you were kind of telling me what you do for a living was, do you think that body cameras have increased public confidence in these police agencies? And I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, Matt, but what it, these are your opinions, right? I'm just curious yeah. what you think, not speaking maybe even for the company, but just as you have been involved for seven years now working with these and, and, and really talking to a lot of government agencies, police forces and police officers, and, and obviously just people, just, just citizens. Do you think there has been an increase in confidence in what we're seeing in terms of everyday policing because of the body cameras? I absolutely do. Now, with some of the events we see in the news that are unique and they stir up a lot of controversy, I think these are, you know, unique situations that 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 uh, tend to dominate the news. But on the aggregate, uh, I would say, uh, yes, I feel incredibly confident that uh, our devices are building trust between policing and communities. And, and I'd say it's even more than that is there's, there's, there's direct evidence of this. I mean, the expansion of our products uh, out in the market, the demand for our, our products out in the market, it, there, you know, the demand is there because there's a value to the agencies and their communities in having products uh, like body cameras that improve trust and transparency. Um, and in some cases, these you know, the, the, there, there might have been a demand from the community that, that, that got law enforcement to adopt it or vice versa. But um, yeah, ultimately just that, like that demand and the fact that we've got hundreds of thousands of body cameras uh, globally now deployed and active every day, uh, I think is a, is a great sign that it is, um, uh, it is desired and working. As well, we've done a number of case studies, some, uh, some by Axon, some with, uh, you know, academics where, Body cameras have been deployed, and there are there are you know unanimous results in terms of reductions in use of force, reductions in complaints, uh, reductions in litigation, and litigation expense with with uh, police departments. And so um, there's also been studies, of course, with 
behavioral patterns of both officers and um, civilians. When when you're recording, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm the same way. Like when you're recording me, I'm going to be much better behaved than when, when you're not. So this, you know, this behavior is, is, is happening. I think, I think unfortunately we're, you know, we, we, we sometimes just don't focus on as many of the positives there that are that are happening as uh, some of these other events in the news that are causing a lot of social unrest. And so those are certainly like real and, and um, concerning. And those are on our radar screen in terms of like, how do we how do we help go the extra distance to. To end this kind of conflict or or, or, or help, you know, bridge this gap with technology and solutions. But, um, you know, we've got a ways to go yet. So do you feel like uh, the officers that you've talked to at maybe, and I'm, now I'm taking you back to when you first joined Axon and you're, you're out there doing some uh, product development and you're, you're talking to officers that are going to use these. Do you, was there reluctance at first by officers more generally, not one-offs, but like more generally to, to say, look, I don't want to have everything I do be recorded. And here, here's an interesting uh, thought that I, I stumbled across this when I was reading articles about this last night, and I wanted to to, to just bring, bring this up because I'm sure you're aware of this, but I didn't think about this. The cameras that these officers are, wear, are wearing are forward-facing, so they don't mm-hmm. record the officer. They record everything the officer sees, everything mm-hmm. the officer is um, interacting with. So it's not as if it's the officer being recorded themselves. It's more the officer and the interaction the officer's having uh, with other people and other things that are being recorded. And that's an interesting dynamic because there's, there's this thought, well, it, it isn't all that transparent because it's not like someone with a cell phone video where they're recording both parties interacting. It's really mm-hmm. the officer re- using that body camera to record other things that they're seeing. But back to my initial question, did you experience this, pushback or any sort of like, I don't like this idea of having everything I do recorded. Yeah, for sure. For sure. In the early days, there was a lot of resistance, big brother, you don't trust us. Like, you know, the communities should, should just know that we're doing the right thing. So certainly that kind of uh, feeling existed, but, you know, ultimately as we saw um, more and more adoption, I think just, minds opened up and um and and to the point where people are like well you know what like i'm doing a good job and i don't have a problem putting this on and and if you know and 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 getting feedback maybe from my my sergeant on on how i can interact differently or whatever and this is going to help me be better it's also going to protect me as an officer i i this is something that we we heard a lot more of as we got it out in the market. But initially, yes, there was some resistance about Big Brother. And I'd say there's like, you know, there's different, um, there's different personas out there across law enforcement and demographics. And, and um, I'd say maybe some, you know, some groups were more open to it than others. But, but um, uh, yeah, but we saw as uh, folks would go through a trial or maybe a beta or, or, or uh, you know, a, a short term use on it, then like we would go back at the end of a 30 day trial and say, OK, if you had the option to keep or give us the camera back, which one would you take? And uh, I think our, our survey results were quite high on the fact that they wanted to keep them because they actually felt 
more protected as an officer. And they found that interactions with civilians were generally more positive. And so I think actually just going through the exercise of, of, of trying it and using it, 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 uh, it conditioned people a little bit differently and opened their minds on it. And, and now, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a much more sort of accepted and uh, understood practice with, um, with officers. It's, it's an interesting dynamic because, as you said, if I all of a sudden had to wear a body camera as an attorney, uh, my behavior would probably change a little bit because I'd be hyper aware of a body camera. But I think o- over time, as I get more comfortable with that, uh, maybe my overall behavior or the the person I am wouldn't be all that different because I would just get used to that body camera being part of my everyday life. And the example I would use is you, you see like these reality shows and most of us know that they're loosely scripted, but mm-hmm. at first it's awkward, right? To be on camera, just like on a podcast, it's awkward mm-hmm. at first, but as you get more comfortable, you kind of forget that the cameras are there or you just aren't as, as focused on the cameras and you kind of become yourself again. And I think that's the idea. I think the idea is that, look, we want some transparency and, and I think the benefits far outweigh any sort of negatives that may be out in in the community about about body cameras. But I think it does adjust behaviors even on uh, the side of the citizen. And mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you see you see videos, unfortunately, of unruly passengers on airplanes. And now because everyone's got a cell phone, they can quickly just hit record. And that's their, that's their own little personal uh, body camera is their cell <laughs> yeah. phone. Yeah. But it does change behavior <laughs> to an extent, right? And then there is the component that people are still going to be who they are, regardless of whether something's recording them or not. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's okay. I think that's mm-hmm. okay because I think it still provides uh, a great deal of benefit in the community overall. That's, that's what I see happening with this technology and with the adoption and the usage of this technology. What I'm interested to see is the law and the different requirements of, of what an agency can and cannot do and what restrictions are in place and what, Mm. um, evidence should be disclosed, can be disclosed, cannot be disclosed. Cause that's all mm-hmm. over the map. I was reading a yeah. lot about different jurisdictions have different, uh, requ- requirements on what they can and won't sh- or will share what they won't share, what is available to the public, what's not available. I'm sure you guys deal with that yeah. every day, every day. So it's just mm-hmm. fascinating to see this, uh, continue to evolve and, and the discussion to continue to improve as it relates to the, the, the the video that's being recorded, the audio that's being recorded and the overall, I think, transparency in the marketplace, mm-hmm. which I think has got to be exciting for you guys as you, uh, as you guys move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a question as an industry leader and you guys are by far, uh, a, a gorilla in this, in this industry, how do you protect yourselves against competitors that come in and try to take your technology your intellectual property, your um, R and D, the things you guys spend a lot of money and a lot of time on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we. Uh, I mean, we have our own. Uh, we have a, a reasonably sized uh, legal team in you know in house um, that includes IP attorneys, and uh, and then we of course work 
extensively with a number of uh, third party or, or uh, you know outside firms on on intellectual. So we we um, we take protecting our intellectual property quite seriously. We really try to file um, patent protection on anything and everything that is unique that that uh, that you, you know falls into that category. Um, whether it be, you know, uh, functionality or workflows or, or, or things. So um, we try to do that early and often. We have, you know, hackathons and idea sessions and brainstorming things where we, we try to get those things out, uh, even, you know, even in the er- really early ideation and development stages so that um, we can protect those ideas over the long term. And we've done quite a bit of that. And I've, you know, I've been on uh, you know, I've been uh, on, on some of our patent and patent applications and, um, so that's, that's really, um, how we do that. We, you know, and I suppose there's certain aspects of our products and the designs that we, you know, keep, keep to ourselves, but in a, in an industry like this, we also have to be quite transparent about how things are, are designed it's just specifically from like, um, you know, the components that we use and, uh, how they're hardened and what our security protocols are, um, um, on the devices and how the data is transferred, all that stuff. We have to be pretty, um, you know, uh, open about as well. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of our practice is just try to try to protect it as best we can through, um, uh, through those means. I guess one of the, the, um, benefits of being an industry leader is having others try to copycat, uh, the work that you guys do, not fun Mm -hmm. for you, not exciting, uh, for your team to to work that hard and have other people try to steal it, but Mm -hmm. also, if you flip it a little bit, you can say it's a, it's a, you know, big feather in your cap that you guys have others coming for you and trying to, um, beat a market or, or innovate the way you guys have continued to do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, uh, we definitely keep an eye on the competitive framework out there. Uh, the other thing I didn't mention in terms of our legal team is we're watching all the time for copycats, resales, um, uh, of our, our products. And we'll, we don't hesitate to go after those things. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, protect ourselves, but maybe more importantly is protect our customers from a product that looks like ours, but doesn't actually operate like ours with the security and the functionality that they need. Um, and so we've seen this on, uh, you know, taser copies, body cam copies, um, other things. So, so we definitely, um, are on the lookout for that. And so when we get those things reported, our legal team jumps on it and uh, um, goes out, cease and assist and all, all that good work. <laughs> I'm sure it keeps them quite, quite busy. Well, yep. Matt, before I let you go, I want to uh, do something I like to do at the end of my podcast. It's called Fast Five. Ooh, Fast okay. Five with Matt Morstad. It is these questions. <laughs> they have no rhyme or reason. I literally came up with these on uh, this morning. So um, good luck. Uh, first question, have you ever been tased? Yes. First day of work. Is that a requirement? Do they like say, Hey, welcome to the team. And then they just tase you. As we've gotten bigger, our hazing ritual has, um, has diminished. (laughs) We, uh, we used to do right after, um, when I started, like right after, uh, onboarding, uh, your first day of work, uh, they would call for exposures in the main atrium. We got three levels of people that would come out from their desks and watch. It was like, Mad Max of Thunderdome and, you know, you're out there and yeah. And, and, uh, we do it very responsibly. Obviously we set up mats, we got spotters and then people have the opportunity to get tased, but we don't, we don't, um, we encourage people that want to experience 
the core product line to do it. Uh, but if one uh, doesn't want to, for whatever reason, they, you know, it's their choice. How bad is it? How, how does it, I mean, how bad does that feel? Uh, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty uncomfortable, but it's only five seconds. The, the, the law enforcement version of our product, the, the energy go, goes for five seconds. It feels a lot longer, um, at the time, but, um, yeah, it's like, if you've ever touched an electrical fence, it's like kind of holding on to that for, you know, a continued pulse. But, but interestingly, you know, uh, the, the, the appreciation I got was I, afterwards I felt like I could get right back up. I had maybe a little bit of, you know, like, uh, I don't know, adrenaline or something, but, but I felt like I could get right back up. And so I can understand why more, why, you know, it's, it can be then redeployed for compliance, uh, in some cases. Um, and, uh, and, and yet people can get tased and come back. It's not quite like you see in the movies where you get tased and you're passed out and you're like <laughs> unconscious. This is actually not what really happens. So, um, so I'm glad I experienced it. I'm not looking forward to doing it again. Um, but I, maybe I will when we develop our next, uh, taser weapon and I'll see what that feels like. Well, let me know. I'm not, I'm not signing up uh, on a short list to do that at all. Yeah. Uh, would you rather wear a body camera? Uh, playing a round of golf or having dinner with your wife? <laughs> oh, I mean, um, Lauren, Lauren is pretty funny. So I wouldn't yeah. mind watching her reactions to your reactions. Yeah, I would say dinner with my wife. I don't think anybody wants to see some of the shots I'm going to hit. But dinner with Lauren would be interesting. I think there's, you know, there's uh, language and stories and uh, and uh, some back and forth uh, banter that, uh, that that people could really find interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, pineapple or pine nuts? Pine nuts, 100%. Oh, that was quick. You were like dialed up. I was like, how is he going to yeah. answer this question? You were like, not even, that wasn't even a choice. You were like, easy, yeah. pine nuts. I love nuts. Would you rather wake up or go to sleep? Wake up. Okay. I'm so early- I- I thought you were going to say that. So then this is the question, which I think I know the answer. Would you rather be woken up by Jocko Willenick, uh, who was actually your keynote speaker? I noticed he was your keynote speaker last year at your conference or David Goggins. Jocko, for sure. I'm a huge, (laughs) I mean, these are both like amazing people. Um, I, uh, but I'm a huge Jocko fan uh, and people actually at Axon know this. I had been trying to get him into the, uh, a keynote speaking thing for a while. I've got, I didn't wear it today, but I've got my discipline equals freedom shirt that I uh, have on. And I got to meet him. He was up here at the Scottsdale gun club for an event, uh, about a year ago. And, um, you're really just uh, yeah, an amazing guy. And he a keynote speaker at our accelerate conference last year. Um, so, um, well, if, if you like Jocko, go to the Axon website, it's axon.com. And, and, and up at the top, they're, they're, uh, promoting their experience event is experience. Is that using accelerate accelerate accelerate, accelerate. Mm-hmm. and Jocko is actually introducing the keynote speaker for this year, uh, which I won't ruin for you because it's actually a fun video to watch. It's, I got motivated listening to him talk about who was going to speak at this year's event. He's uh he's quite the character. All right. Last question. If you could be professionally sponsored, would you rather be sponsored by printer paper or by a garden hose? a garden hose i just feel like there's more creative stuff i could do with that yeah 
What can you do with a garden hose? I don't know. I could. I, I, I think I could come up with some pretty good like endorsement commercials and activity on that. Yeah. I want. I want to see those. Please, please, please put those together for me so I can. I can debut those on our podcast. Okay. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I don't know if they're. I don't know. They may well, not be. Okay. They may not be appropriate. Let's. Yeah. Let's, let's leave it there. Matt Morstad, thank you so much for being on the Legal Beagle podcast. Uh, it was a delight to chat with you. It was great learning more about what you guys do at Axon and how you guys are um, doing your best to create just incredible products that I think people uh, will become more accustomed to seeing in the marketplace as more agencies adopt these products. And like you said, it's not just police agencies. There's a whole line of other customers that are using these products. And and it's fun. Like I said, I would encourage any of our listeners to go on to the Axon website just to check out all their product lines. It's it's amazing the stuff that you guys are developing. But Matt, thank you so much for, for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on.